Hello, I'm Mark Tucker. And I'm Alan Furstenberg, and welcome to Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Hey, welcome back, Alan. Good to be back, Mark, as always. And always good to see you and chat with you. Yeah, thanks. Things are uh, going here in sunny today, Arizona, though we've had some <laughs> rain this la last week, which has been good. So we're, we're record this a little bit early, and right now we are going through a huge heat wave here. So it is a tad on the warm side. Yeah, so uh, I, I don't know how temperatures compare there to here, but you have a lot more humidity than we have to worry about. So yes, <laughs> so uh, normally I, I think the temperatures we're hitting are, are normal for an Arizona summer, but a little bit on the high side here. But yeah, definitely high humidity. And not everybody has air conditioning, right? No, which um, I can't believe that doesn't. I, I know. I, I lived in <laughs> Houston for a few years, and the notion of people not having air conditioning is strange. Uh, more, more so, more people in the New York area have air conditioning than, say, in, in northern Massachusetts and Maine or, or Seattle. But uh, yeah, there's still a decent chunk of people that, that don't have it or you know, don't need it. If they're on the coast, yeah. you get a nice sea breeze most of the time. Yeah, normally you're, you're, you're good, except for these uh, weird times yeah. like you're having now. I, but you know, it's funny that we actually start talking about the weather. <laughs> because in, in thinking about what to talk with for today, um, I was talking with, uh, with Dennis, who is uh, another yep. GDE, is at all of my office hours, has been a, a fantastic person in the voice space. And he had just talked about a, uh, an action that he wrote and got published within one day. Oh. That was just querying an API, getting a value and returning it. Um. And you and I are talking now about the weather. There are a ton of weather APIs. And at Voice Lunch US a couple of weeks back, we were kind of brainstorming stuff. And one of the things we were brainstorming was, well, what, what other weather stuff would we want to query and what's available out there via API? So I was thinking all of that would make sense to kind of chat about, well, how do we deal with APIs when it comes to, to voice development? Um, and, you know, some yep. of it seems kind of obvious and some of it's not much different than others, but I think there are a couple of, of unique things about how we deal with it, given some of the constraints that we've got to work with. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's that's true. I, you know, I'm thinking about that, that in a lot of ways, I, I I'll program in, in Node.js and, and calling an a API from a Node app is just, you know, pretty standard uh, stuff. There's a lot but you've got some different things that are unique. Um, you know, part of it is, is, is we talked about uh, recently about lists, you know, what, how do you, what happens when your API returns back a list? And we, you know, we, we went over all of that in that episode. So check it out if you haven't yet. Um, but there's also like a, a timeout limit. So you need to make, uh, you know, sometimes you make an API call and it fails and you, you know, you do some sort of like a you know, call multiple times and, degrade gracefully or, you know, there's lots of different strategies that you can do, but uh, that, you know, five or seven seconds isn't yeah. really all that much time. And, and you really want to still get it done, you know, less than two seconds, less than one second for an API call if you can, because it seems like an eternity having to wait for, you know, the response to come back and it kind of just uh, uh, jag, jags up the, uh, the conversation if it's going too slow. Yep. So, so let's talk about that first. How do we deal with APIs when 
we either think they might or know they will mm-hmm. take more than five seconds. What can we do? Or, you know, I, is there anything that you can do? I know one, one, great, <laughs> tip, one great tip that I heard once, for example, was um, one, one notorious API that takes a long time are anything that involves travel. You know, if you want to look for yeah. a, an airline reservation and you're trying to book a hotel, those seem to take forever. Um, so what one person suggested, and this was a, a designer, suggested um, make the call, have it uh, immediately start executing kind of as a background process, and immediately return a message saying, okay, I'm going to work on that. In the meantime, you know, you say you want to, you're flying to Florida. What are you looking to do when you're there? You know, so start engaging with, you know, if you can think about what a human would do when they're waiting for the computer to do something, you know, nowadays they would say something like, hang on, I'm waiting for the computer, but they might, you know, a a travel (laughs) agent might try to engage in conversation. Yeah. Multitask, try to get things done because, you know, the, the faster that you can get people through, the happier they're going to be and the, and the more opportunity you have to help additional people, which would, you know, you know, be better for them, be better for you um, overall. But also if you think about it, the, this, this small talk is just kind of friendly. It's meant to be Mm -hmm. engaging and get the person thinking about and excited about what their travel is for, you know, or you might ask, is this for business or for pleasure and store that information away so that later on in the conversation, Maybe you'll bring it up again and say, you know, I see you're going to uh, Orlando during these dates. Are you planning on going to this event? You know, so raising some of that stuff and possibly using it as an upsell later is certainly yeah. one, one interesting approach. Doesn't work for everything, of course. Yep. But I think it's an interesting approach that your designer may come up with. The catch is, though, you now have a background process that's running that will come up with an answer and it can't just send, you know, it can't just send back the reply. It's got to wait for you to make another request to the server. So in cases like that, you need to store the answer against the session. And then the next time uh, your, your webhook gets called in that session, you need to check to see if there's any information that you've gathered in the meantime. Right. So, so yes, yeah, there's definitely, you can do that. There's also like, if it's going to be a longer running process, there are things, um, uh, notifications on the Alexa side of things where you can say, you know, um, I've started your, 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 the process. It's going to take a few minutes. I'll notify you when it's done. And so they could continue on doing things in the skill or they could end at which point, um, you know, your backend process is doing stuff and you could keep track of, um, this is the, um, the user ID, the you know Alexa user ID for the person, and when your backend process finishes, you can call an API passing that same user ID, which then triggers a notification, which then goes to the the person's machine or phone and says, "Hey, you, you know you've got two new notifications," and then or whatever it is, and you can then ask and it'll say, "XYZ Travel App uh, has a notification." You know, you have one new message from XYZ Travel App. Would you like to? you know, listen to it or something. So um, then that kind of can kick off the, the the process too. So you, there are some things that you can do to handle things asynchronously. 
No, it's a great point. Being able to take advantage of, of notifications where it's appropriate. Yep. Uh, and, th- and certainly for very long running stuff, it makes sense for stuff that, you know, will run for 30 seconds. That seems like, you know, that's longer yeah. than the two seconds, but it's, you know, you're not, you're not going to end things. And then 30 seconds later, get the notification that you can continue the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. So the, the best thing that you can do for your user, if you can do it, is keep them in one session right. and handle it all. If, right. if, if no, you, I, yep. yeah. no I, I think my point is more that, you know, you need, make sure you use the right trick yep. for the right uh, purpose. Um, and one of, one of the other tricks on the Google side that we have sometimes is being able to take advantage of the media player. So one thing that I will do sometimes is say, this is going to take a while and start playing hold music. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting things about the way the, the hold music, you know, the media player works is that when it ends, it will automatically trigger another callback to your action as if the user had said something. So it, it triggers a special intent. Mm. Um, and in that intent handler, you can then check to see if you got a result back. If you did, go ahead and continue the conversation. If not, say, nope, still working on it and kick off the hold music again. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure how user-friendly that is, but certainly if you're expecting results back in kind of that intermediate time period, you know, 30 seconds, yeah, I can I can listen to hold music for 30 seconds. 30 minutes, uh, yeah. yeah, there I want a notification. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, just kind of go through your checklist and say, is this, uh, how much time is this going to take? Is this something where I can possibly keep it into one session? If not, then, um, you know, what are my alternatives and, and, and go down that path? And I think the good part is that the, the backend stuff is essentially all the same. It, we need to kick off a backend process somehow. Yeah. And, you know, whether that is your Lambda process continues to run or it triggers off another Lambda process or, you know, the equivalent or whatever. Um, something like some like PubSub thing. Right, exactly. You know, so there's lots of different op- options that you have for that. But, you know, as always, make sure you scale them to how long you think the operation itself is going to take. Yeah. So some, something I hear um, at, at times when people are talking about like, oh, I'll just do progressive response on Alexa. But really progressive response is like one of those tricks where you show, like you show a cursor on your screen uh, doing something so that you, the user re- you know, realizes that you're doing something it doesn't necessarily speed things up. It just kind of gives some response back. You could you could say like in a progressive response, um, sending this off now, um, or you know, uh, executing your search. Please wait, uh, type of thing. But you still have that same you know seven second response. And you well, have to it. you have to come back. You, you don't get you don't buy any additional time by doing progressive response. You just get the re- some some uh, text back to the user quicker. Um, while things are happening. This used to be what we used to call trivial response time. You want the trivial response time to be very good, even though it's not going to be saying anything. Yeah. And that makes sense. You know, that that's useful. But um, but as you said, you still have the second second seven second limit that you need to be aware of. Yeah. One of the um, 
I think one of the things about APIs that can sometimes be a little bit difficult to deal with, even on, on visual sides, is that you don't always, you know, you, you don't always get a nice clean response back. Yes. Or, you know, you certainly need to make sure that you massage in some way whatever format the data that comes back in. And I can imagine that's got to be worse when dealing with audio because we have no <laughs> idea in some cases what in the world is going to be coming back or how to pronounce it. And so normally, you know, when we control very rigidly what our response can be, we might tweak, you know, so that it sounds like this, even though it shows this on the display or, you know, so we've got yeah. some of those tweaks. It's really hard to do when you don't control what's coming back. Yeah. So like if you're, if you're, you're list of, um, a list of contacts or things like that, you've got, you know, people's names are, is the data that you're, you're, you're sending back in your text to speech. And you know, there's, there was something that was announced uh, more recently uh, from uh, this last Alexa live where you can, uh, it sounded like you could specify um, kind of a dictionary of, of terms or how to pronounce things. So, but you know, even, even if you do that, then people's names, you know, the same, right. same spelling could be pronounced different ways, you know? So it's, it's, it is challenging. And, you know, I think eventually as voice becomes more and more of a thing, there will, there will be ways where we have part of our profile, you know, our name, how it's spelled, how we'd like it pronounced and that type of information um, going into systems. Um, so like, you know, me being a user in a system um, that's going to then use that data as, as, as uh, the source could then return back that same information as I think uh, the data that's being stored in systems become more voice friendly, then, then I think that will, you know, be a huge benefit because then you'll get to, you know, hear people's names pronounced the way that they are. Cause that, that's always, you know, something that's a good reminder of like, I'm going to go visit yeah. such and such person. Now, how do you say their name again? Or what's sure. Having people specify how to say their own name will, you know, hopefully become commonplace. Yeah. Um, or even in some cases, I can easily imagine for, you know, a corporate directory, hear the person in their own voice say what their name is. Yep. You know, you just need to somehow get that back in, you know, get that into the API and, and get that flowing downstream so that other people can use it. Um, so maybe that that's a thought when designing APIs, we need to be thinking about that more as well. Yeah, so not only does the API need to return back the data that you would show on a display, but you need to start returning back data that would be pronounced by a voice system. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, I, I think the other challenge that I see a lot with APIs, and this is a challenge again in the, the regular server space, but I think it's compounded here, is the whole authentication and authorization yeah. admire. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, is a big challenge. Yeah. You know, on, on good days, we, uh, you know, we can log people in and maybe, you know, get their permission to access something on an API. Uh, but doing that in voice, even with account linking, yeah. is just frustratingly difficult. Yeah, there's definitely a, a subset of people that will, will, you know, start an application and then make it past the account link and they'll like, 
you know, hit the part and say, well, this is just too big of a, uh, yeah, an issue or a hassle to do. Yeah. I, you know, I think hopefully, you know, I, I think we're getting better at it. You know, we're, we saw some stuff with Alexa live. We see some, some stuff with Google sign in. And I think it's okay in some cases to, when it comes to permissions, you know, when we have to deal with OAuth permissions, I think it's okay to, to, you know, to skip to the phone for a little bit. Um, yeah. As long as we only do it maybe once or twice, you know, it's not, you can't do it every time. Asking yeah. for permissions every time just isn't going to work. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely challenging. Um, you know, you want, you want to protect your, your, your data and voice stuff. So there, there's, I think there's, are going to be new new things implemented that will help this voice login stuff in, in the future. But yeah, I mean, I think what we have with account linking now is a good first step. But we're at a good yeah. stage at this point. You know, we're we're using voice recognition to do account linking. I think that's all reasonable. Yep. Um, but we're going to need to get better. But it it also does kind of suggest we still need to deal with. Where do we store the keys? How do we store the keys? How do we do yes. that safely? Not in your code. And not, not in your code. Into GitHub. Yes. Yeah. Not in your code. Not in a file. <laughs> you know, store store them in secure uh, configuration, and and every service has a secure configuration system at this point. Yep. So, or use environment variables. Yeah, and, and that's and that's what I do quite a bit. Is like locally, I develop. I have a. Uh, I use uh, in my, even though I'm developing on Windows, I'm using a, a Bash shell. And um, there is uh, something called uh, DIRENV during uh, NV. And there's a dot, uh, oh gosh, NVRC or something e, like that yeah. file. Dot ENV usually, I think. Yeah, that you can specify. So I make sure that that's in my uh, Git ignore. So I'd never check that into my. My repo, but I can go ahead and put um, the export different environment variables in that file, and then um, I can set up my shell that it will read based on what directory I'm in. So, like when I'm in my my directory running uh, code locally, then it's going to go ahead and and run that that file and load those environment variables in, and and uh, and then you can use a, a local. And then when I go ahead and deploy things. Um, I, I, you know, I deploy them and then I, I go ahead and make sure that I configure the environment variable stuff separately. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I do very similar. Some of what I do though is, is store it in a secure configuration environment. Mm -hmm. um, this way I can, you know, depend for each project has its own configuration. And this yeah. way I just treat it as configuration, just like I treat other configuration. I like, if you haven't figured it out from you know fifty-seven episodes, I like storing stuff in configuration. Well, and there and there's lots of different options that you can choose. You know, you can like you say we can you can do environment variables. You can uh, write on the on the lambda. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're doing AWS, you can you and can Google's in, got similar on there. Crypto, sure there's yeah. Secrets Manager. There's there's right. all kinds of things um, there. If you're like working in a bigger um, environment, um, you can use things like console and vault. Um, just don't put it in code. Yeah, just don't put it in code. Never put it in code. Yep. And again, you know, none of that's different than what you know normal server side development is. But you know, a lot of voice developers may not be may not have thought about that. Yeah. And it's always a good reminder, even for those of us that have thought about it. <laughs> 
sometimes, yeah, sometimes we, we forget or get, get lax and like, oh, I'll just do this. And then, you know, it turns out that you're like, oh, wait, I need to make sure I turn, take this out before I check it in. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, stuff like that could happen. Um, one of the things I, I do uh, in my code is I separate, uh, like I have something called a, a, a class file or a module for, for services, you know, one for each API that I do. And I, you know, wrap the, the get or the, or the post request inside of a, you know, function call and, and pass things in. And like my base URL is usually an environment variable. And then I build the rest of the URL up and, you can use things like Axios or other things to to access the API, and I make sure that I, you know, set the timeout limit on Axios because the default isn't five seconds. <laughs> it's assuming that you're in you know some other environment where you don't have to worry about uh, time as as much. So you know, make sure that that gets all set up and and that, so that that's you no, know, that's a yeah, that's ahead. a really good and really <clears throat> important point. I think is that um, I mean a lot of APIs do have libraries that come with them. Yep. But it's important in those cases to make sure that you make sure that the timeout for your call is yep. less than what you're, that's a really excellent point, actually. Yeah. Um, but it, it leads to the next question of, well, how do you handle when, if it fails within? Yeah. And, and that's exactly what I was getting to. So because things are in a separate class, kind of all hidden behind this, you know, get items API call, right? Passing in the key or other things, you know, query parameters, whatever I need to pass into that function. It's kind of all hidden behind there. Then I just do a whole try catch around that. And then um, what I typically do, like if it's something that's going to return back multiple result sets, I set an empty array at the beginning. So if if I fail and I hit the, the catch block, then in the end, I'm still going to return back an array, even though if it's an empty array. That way, I can always I always know it's it's an array. I can always check to see if there's if the length is greater than zero. Um, and but I typically in my response coming back, actually I return back an object. And, and people do it. You, know, you can do it all kinds of different ways. But I return back an object that has a success, true, false, and then a data, which is then you know whatever else I'm whatever yep. I'm getting back. And so since everything's wrapped in that try catch. Then I don't have to worry about it behind that function. I just call the function, await on it, get the response back. I then I can check to see if the status is is uh, success or not. Uh, if it is success, I go ahead and uh, uh, then I can check to see if there's zero response. I can handle it differently if there's zero, one, or more responses, like we talked about, yeah. um, and our list stuff. Um, but if it comes back as false for a status, then I can say, oh, "I'm sorry, we're having problems. You know, try again later." Um, and then you can also like do things like keep track of how many times that that's happened in a session. And if it's, you know, cause maybe sometimes it's just an API call that's kind of went flaky and they say, Hey, try it again later and then give them the option to do it again. But if it happens a couple of times in the same session, then you're like, Oh, something bigger is happening. And this is just going to get more annoying for the user to try to keep trying again, to be told that they can't do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but th- that's, that's kind of how I do it. I don't, do you have, a different I do, approach or I, I do. Well, I do some things very similar, you know, so I mm-hmm. do have uh, almost everything has its own wrapper function or wrapper method that I have for it. So, so everything I try to contain that way. Um, since I use multivocal and multivocal has this big environment object, yep. I tend to pass that environment object around a lot. 
and these are this is a great place where I do so. So you know, I pass the environment object in, and I expect it to come back with an ant, you know, with the environment populated with additional information. Um, and at some point, I go and evaluate all of my information to come up with the result. And if for whatever reason I didn't get back the answers I thought at some stage in the API. I can say something went wrong somewhere. Yeah, you know. So, but I, other other than that, very similar. Um, and mostly, you know, I think partly I do that is because I want to make it. You know, every time I make a call to whatever to make a call into the you know pull something out of a database, uh, store something to a database, make an API call somewhere else. There's a lot of additional stuff that I need to make sure is correct. I need to get right. the right paths. I need to give it authentication. Um, you know, I need to, there's a lot of additional, you know, sometimes it needs to be signed. All of that stuff that I don't really want to think about as I'm coding my actual logic. So I like pushing it off into a function all by itself. Yep. And I think that's a really appropriate use for functions. Yeah, so that's a, that's a it's very helpful way to do it. Uh, and then, you know, if you're going to take that extra step and do unit testing, then, then you can use something like knock and say, you know, if I'm uh, if I call this API call, and then, and then I actually I create like a in my test um, folder, I've got uh, a class called mock helpers, and so mm -hmm. if I have like a get list I, get items API call that's You've wrapping the, the API call, then I have yep. like I have a mock get API um, get items, and all that, and what that does is it I can pass in some different parameters. Plus, I pass in um, an object of what I want it to return. You know what the the uh, if if it matches the what mock, you, what, testing, what, yeah. what I want to return, and then I also pass in like a status code, so I can test to see if it's a success status code or you know four or four or something you know something else. I can test my my error conditions, and so um, it's just nice as as you're going through, you just set up your test as if you're going to you know test the function that you're going to call that in the end calls the API, but just before that in the, in the arrange you know, portion of the test or the setup part, then you go ahead and call this mock helper. And so by the time that Axios gets called, then it's actually really going to uh, just shuffle off over to, uh, to knock and return back the, the hard-coded you know, data that I expect to, to, uh, to set up the test case that I want to test. Nope, makes sense. So, you know, again, you know, I think we've kind of uh, kind of covered most of it. Again, yep. none of it's radical, but I think there, there are some additional things that we just need to, to think about and pay attention to when it comes to dealing with voice right now. Yep. And, you know, I'd love to hear, as always, love to hear what other people are doing. And uh, if you've got any tips or tricks that you have for, for dealing with APIs. That would be, yeah, we, we would love to hear them. Thank you for um, your your participation and and just thanks for you know, contributing to the voice community and we will catch you next time on two voice devs two voice devs